Welcome to Ella Go. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back. My name is Lisa, and today's guest is... I always say today's guest is always special because every woman is special on my podcast. Um, her name is Joelle Monaco, right? You got it. Okay. Yep. So before I have Joelle introduce herself, well, actually, let I'm going to have Joelle introduce herself and then I'm going to tell you a little story about what I spoke to uh, Joelle about prior to this podcast and how it manifested into reality. So Joelle, introduce yourself to the awesome. audience. Awesome. Well, thank you, Lisa, for having me. Um, I am so honored. I've become an avid listener and I've learned so much from last guest. So I'm like, the bar was set pretty high today, but I'm I'm going to take the challenge. I'm, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Joelle Monaco from Joelle Monaco Consulting. Um, and my background is really a combination over um, 10 years in the business and the mental health field, which up until roughly seven months ago, people really struggled to understand and really make that connection. Uh, but now, you know, I'm more excited that people are understanding the connection between mental health, the workplace, and not to mention our lives. Uh, so my passion has always been around training and development and focusing on people first. And, you know, I like to say I'm fortunate because the work I do um, you know, in my day-to-day life and consulting, I get to work with businesses and individuals from various backgrounds and industries. And we really talk about people, processes, and performance. Joelle, would you say that, you know, when I think about, and I think we kind of talked about this when we first met, would you say it's like a organizational psychologist, right? Yeah, it's like organiza- what is known as like organizational development. And I try to, you know, sometimes I try to stay away from those words and like my human capital uh, because, you know, trying to keep it where everybody can understand. But yes, it falls, you know, organizational development brings the people piece with the um, basically operational piece of a business and brings it all together into one. Well, when we spoke, when we first spoke and uh, we were just talking about you being on the podcast, if you can remember... I said to you, Joelle, wow, I know how it is to be in a toxic work environment. And I said to you, hopefully by the time that we record this, I won't be in that environment. And Joelle, I'm not in that environment. Yay. Congrats. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, there was a lot of things that I talked to you about uh, being in a toxic work, work environment. And uh, when we first spoke, um, and I think I'm going to talk a little bit about it as you, you know, you speak uh, about what you do and, and, the, and the stories that you have to tell, um, because I think that what people don't realize we are in our jobs, like the majority of our lives, one third at least. So like you're contributing a lot to that workplace. Right. And then if you're not happy at work, that manifests or that transitions into your home life and you're like, I'm miserable. <laughs> 24 seven. <Yeah. laughs> the other <laughs> Right. Um, okay. So we'll talk a little bit about you know, my uh, workplace experience as you, you know, talk more about what you do. Um, So let me just ask you a couple of questions. Um, 
And a lot of people may not know exactly what is this. And I know I use the word psychology and I'm thinking when you say psychology, people are like, ooh, mental health. Ooh, am I crazy? Right, right. Um, But can you talk a little bit more about what do you actually provide to the workplace and and the employees? So as as this consultant who comes in to the workplace, what would you provide to them? Yeah. And I think a lot of it, um, cause those words can be really scary for people, you know, that aren't in the field or don't have some experience. So a lot of times I, I say, I build in a people first approach, right. Um, thinking about everything we do or consider, you know, our people are our most important asset and really getting clients and individuals and leaders to understand why that's important, but also how to do that and taking a multidimensional approach to health, right? We know our physical health is just a part of our health. And there's so many different things. You talk about physical, you know, social, emotional. I mean, the list goes on, right? There's eight dimensions technically of our health via SAMHSA. So you can check it out, but, you know, kind of bringing that and talking to businesses and leaders, you know, if you don't have employees, right? You don't have widgets or products to give to your clients. And I think that sometimes we get lost in the monotony of every day and the grind. Uh, So I really provide that outside perspective to say, all right, let's take a step back. Let's look at this thing we call human capital, right? Because often it's an intangible asset. You know, it's not necessarily ever on a balance sheet when I walk in. But, you know, we want to look at what's the economic value of each individual and what experiences do they bring to the workplace? Um, and that could be from their education, their training. I mean, their intelligence, their skill, but also their health. Because at the end of the day, you said it, we said it. If you're not in a positive work environment, if you're not healthy, you can't show up and be the best employee, which obviously impacts, you know, bottom line of a business. So, you know, we're really looking at all of those impacts. And I think, you know, in our original conversation, we talked about this a lot. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. But stress is a huge topic right now. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I talk about, um, you know, we have social unrest, we have a global pandemic. Right now, anybody listening to this, if you haven't experienced stress in, you know, the last seven months, you might be a unicorn and that's good. And you just really have a lot of good coping strategies, which I commend you. But, you know, a lot of times when we talk about negative stress, it decreases creativity, communication skills, sleep, you know, the list goes on, but the impacts are, you know, monumental on individuals on that workplace, but also on our communities. So, you know, I'm just, one of the things I really enjoy doing is bringing those whole conversations around and really talking about what is the stress at the workplace or inside and outside the workplace, because I don't know where they really break or stop, you know, how does that transform into what we call strain and then ultimately burnout? Um, and a lot of times businesses aren't thinking about this. They're like, well, we have tons of top performers, but those are at the highest risk for burnout. Um, so, you know, it's a unique perspective that I can bring from an outside to say, you know, what are you doing to focus on human capital? What are you really doing to put the people piece and the operation piece together and, you know, aligning those initiatives and really um, contributing to organizational success, but also accountability of everyone involved. Right. So one of the questions I had when I was thinking about, um, you know, things that I wanted to ask you is, does do you usually have, I'm going to guess that it's the employer that's calling you to come in. 
typically, but you know, I get a lot of messages from the employees, right? You know, I get tons of messages from individuals, you know, oh my gosh, you talked about this. Like, can we talk about this? And you know, I have a lot of off, you know, cuffs. Um, but when I get calls from businesses, a lot of times it comes from like the HR department or the EAP or like a third party vendor. And, you know, that's one of the challenges because, and one of the unique abilities I have is having, you know, the operational and the business know-how I'm able to speak to CEOs and execs to really say, you know, there is, um, a return on investment, right. And are we had talked to the ROI, what's that bottom line and really open up eyes because sometimes, yes, it, you know, it's the employer, but it also makes a difference of who is, who's in that, where, what role do they play in the business? Because that's really where we're going to make change and affect a culture shift too. Right. And I think that, you know, what you just said, that if you're getting the call from the HR or EAP or, or, you know, another division of the company, I would say that that's actually helpful because that means that there's a part of that company that feels like something's up, (laughs) something's not happening, as opposed to nobody's calling you and it's just going to be terrible for the, you know, for whatever. And there's really not going to be this, this shift. So with that being said, when you do have an HR or different division of the company coming in, how tough is that to talk to the employer and say, what you're doing is not working? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's always, it's the best part of being a consultant, right? You're not there to, <laughs> you're there just long enough. Um, but you know, it also, I think it provides an outside perspective. And so often we get stuck in the monotony of, we just do it every single day. And, you know, if you're not investing in these types of initiatives, you don't really have the outside perspective of what are other businesses doing? What's the up and coming? So it's really interesting because this industry is growing leaps and bounds. Like I said, you know, seven months ago, I would have to give a very, detailed description of what I do continuously. And now people are like, okay, we get it. And, you know, I think when you're able to also tie financials to it, which a lot of times people think, well, how do you tie financials to, you know, people development or, you know, just making people feel engaged, wanted, and, you know, respected, but there are, there's deliverables and you can see them in, you know, absenteeism. You can see them in the rates of productivity. You can see them in your benefits. What benefits are your employees using? You know, so it it is tricky, but I think I have a dry enough sense of humor. Um, (laughs) and I'm able to, you know, pull a few different things together and really say like, what, what is it that you want to be as a business and as a culture? Cause that's going to supersede anything you do, you know, any widget, you can have the best product, but if you don't have a great culture and nobody wants to come here, Okay. Yeah. So what would be the best, I mean, you said a couple of things, but from your perspective and from your experience, what would you say is the best selling point to the employer? I mean, let's, let's talk about the employer who's like, what are you talking about? Everything's amazing. I'm great. I'm a great leader. Are you telling me I'm a terrible leader? I'm not a terrible leader. You know, what is your, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you also have to be a great negotiator. Yeah. You know, and, and an influencer, yeah. um, because you have to influence this person to realize that there is an issue. But what is the biggest or the best selling point for them to be like, oh, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of times when we start to look at the numbers and we talk about like, what is the impact? Um, I think that's really where it starts to hit home because so many people don't realize how many of their employees are experiencing burnout or, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about toxic work environments, but you know, a lot of leaders and executives 
it's not, it's the employee's perception is the reality. And sometimes leaders don't even see it, you know, until they start to ask the right questions. And I think a lot of times I'm doing it through empowerment because ultimately any business, right? They're trying to create a brand. They want sustainability. They want to grow. And also they want to attract people to come in. And, you know, we know as employees, we are becoming very informed and we want to work places where we feel involved. So, you know, for me, I also look at it as, don't you want to attract the best possible people? Like, don't you want to create a business that has a legacy? And I think that's really where, you know, you don't want to create a business that is gone in six months. You know, you want to really have sustainability and by focusing on your people and, you know, sometimes realizing maybe we didn't do everything right because we just didn't know what was available and that's okay. And I think, you know, being transparent, but also saying everybody doesn't have it right. (laughs) We're all figuring it out. Right. And we're always learning new things. And I think, you know, kind of thinking to that growth mindset of, you know, challenge yourself every day to be a little bit better than yesterday. Right. And, you know, as far as working with, so just taking a, a step back here. So when you said numbers, are we talking like money? <laughs> like, money. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what makes the world go around, right? right you know, people right. have to pay the bills to keep on the lights. And when you start to look at how many employees are calling out, And what are you doing to fill that position or how many jobs are you missing? Um, You know, and we start to kind of backpedal in those numbers, but also look at staff turnover. I mean, if you turn one employee that it costs you on average, their salary and a half to find someone to fill that position. And then you lose all the relationships associated with that person. So wouldn't it be easier to focus on building your people up than replacing them? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about toxic environments. My favorite topic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So I know that I was going to say that I I was going to talk a little bit about my own experience, but what's the definition of a toxic workplace? You know, and I think I sum this up, you know, I said it before, it's really an individual's perception of a toxic workplace, right? Is the reality because it could be the work style. It could be the management style. There's so many different things. And I think, you know, it could be the working condition, right? So I think you really have to open your mind a little bit wider to say, you know, a lot like stress, you know, it's the perception and we really want to meet people where they are, but also understand like if the workplace is causing undue stress and people to feel overwhelmed or physically ill, that's when we know we have to take a couple steps back. Amen. And I'm going to talk about that. So, <laughs> um, no, I, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And, you know, just to be fair, you're right. You know, you're some people are in toxic work toxic work environments. And it's like, is it because you don't like the job? Is it because there's other stuff going on? You know, and I got to say for myself, I mean, I really did a lot of self-reflection and really tried to say, okay, how can I make this work for me? I can't make this supervisor change. She's not going to change for me. This, this uh, agency, this, this whole workplace is not going to change for me. How can I make it work for me. And I got to tell you, Joelle, I tried so many ways, so many. I never gave up. I was like, okay, what if I do that this way? Okay. What Mm -hmm. if I do it that way? And then I think I got to the point, like what you just said, I became physically ill. Mm -hmm. I started feeling really sick. And I said, you know what? I think the next option is not be here. (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah. I think I need to to move on. But I think that people do need to understand that when they say they work in a toxic workplace, you know, what is it really? You know, mm-hmm. you know, I like I mentioned, is it because you don't like the job? Then find another job, you know. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, for me, it took a while for me to just say, look, 18 years, Lisa, you got to find another job. <laughs> Yeah. And, well, and that takes a lot of courage, right? Cause a lot of people are like, I mean, you, you're doing it. You have, you know, you're a mom, you're a homeowner, you're all of these things. So I think sometimes that, that fear can almost become debilitating too. And because the toxicity builds down and knocks down our self-esteem and our confidence to say, well, if this is the type of work environment, who would want to hire me? Right. So I think it's, it's a lot of, you got to start from the inside too to have enough courage to say, you know what, it's 18 years. I'm great. And if they don't want it, somebody else is. That's exactly what I said. And then when I got into the, to the new job and I'm like, wow, why didn't I leave sooner? (laughs) And it's almost like, Joelle, I, you know, it's almost like PTSD. I have PTSD because now I'm like, okay, what, they just asked me if I needed anything. What does that mean? <laughs> what is, you know? I think we talked about this the first time, right? It takes, if you've worked in a toxic environment and we've all been there, right? You know, I found myself in a toxic work environment and working long hours and it took me a while to realize it. And then all of a sudden one night, you know, I'm sitting up at weird hours, checking my email, thinking like, if I don't respond to this email, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You know, I don't want to deal. And then I was kind of like, whoa what am I doing? But then, you know, like you, I said, okay, I am good enough to find something else. And I moved on in my professional career, you know, added skills. Great. But even after I left, you know, and we see this for a lot of people, when they leave a toxic work environment, it takes months to really for that fight or flight response to go down where you're not always thinking someone has ulterior motives um, or you're building up your confidence to say, wow, they're asking me this because they really want my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I will say that when I was asked about a planner, what planner did I want? And I was given a hundred options. I was like, um, I was never asked for anything like this. What do I pick? <laughs> you know? Um, and you're right. It is going to take a while to, um, you know, to feel comfortable. But I will say when I left, you you did mention one thing, the courage, because when I said when I made the announcement, which was shocking for a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of other coworkers that said, you're you're doing a lot. You're doing something that some of us are too afraid to do. And I was yep. like, whoa, that's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even like realize that. And it is a big risk, especially when you've been in a place for so long. And Joelle, I almost think of it as a toxic relationship. You know, when you think about being in a toxic marriage, I say this all the time. It's like you are comfortable in the what you know, instead yep. of going out to what you don't know. Right. Yeah. Or it's like, it's, and you said, is it, is it that bad? Is it just something I don't like? And we try to reason with ourselves, right. To make it be like, no, it's, it's okay. You know? And then, you know, another six months you're like, well, now I'm committed even more. So is it worth it or what do I do? Yeah. Now, would you help somebody that like, you know, like if it was someone like me, where I said, I work in a toxic environment, what, 
what should I do? Would you be someone to help someone like that? Or it's more of, you know, you're dealing with a group of employees. It's more dealing with a group of employees in the organization. There are tons of resources for individuals. I mean, a lot of that, you know, comes to, we have some really great job coaches, not only, you know, in New York, but all over. I know we have listeners from everywhere, but, you know, job coaches really help with that to figure out like, is it, what can I do to maybe make this sustainable for a little bit longer? Cause some people do need to stay. Maybe it's, you know, there's trying to get so many years or, you know, we know how all of those things work, but then also to say, okay, what's next, what can you build your confidence in? Um, so I think that's a little bit of the difference, but you know, something, and I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but I think it's also important to highlight, you know, working with leaders and teams, a lot of times many leaders and teams don't even realize that they create a toxic work environment. And you, you know, you might be like, you're nodding, but some people might be like, no, they know. Um, mm -hmm. But so often, you know, leaders become leaders because they're good at doing a task or a job, not because they have the skills to be a leader or want to be a leader because societally we build that mentality that, you know, succession plan is you going up to managing people. And, you know, I work with a lot with businesses on this piece, you know, not everybody's fit to be a manager. And if you're going to put somebody in a manager role, it takes training and development because lack thereof, a lot of employees are managers that exhibit toxic styles or toxic habits. A lot of times it's because of modeling what they've seen or experienced before. They're just taking that and putting it into the playbook. Joelle. I don't preach girl. Oh my God. Preach. Okay. Because that's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about where they make someone who's good at doing that job. They're excellent. They're amazing. They're yeah. excelling. And then they're like, Oh, you're going to be a manager. That doesn't make that person a good freaking manager. And why do they keep doing that? It's because they don't realize that succession and organizational growth doesn't have to be lateral, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be up. It can be crossed. It can be whatever way makes sense for that person, right? Because you have somebody that's really great at doing something and leadership is a trait, right? People either like it or don't. Um, <laughs> and some of us like it and some of us don't, and that's okay, but it can't be the assumption that everybody's going to want to do it. And, you know, if you're being provided or you're being offered this promotion and everybody around you, that's the next step. Um, but there's no alternative steps because I think so often, you know, how we build our organizational structures are you go up, but there's not really, how do you go across and mm -hmm. refine your skill and mm -hmm. how do you get better at that? And how do you become more of an asset? to the organization, because maybe you're focusing on research and development and you're coming out with new and better things than maybe your competitor is like right. where do your people play the best role. And that's really what I'm passionate about and helping businesses to do. And also maybe, okay, maybe they do have people in leadership roles that haven't gotten the appropriate training and development. So how do we take a couple steps back and look at, you know, how do you manage people? What are we doing with our, how are we engaging our teams? What does it look like? I mean, down to the basics, what should a meeting look like, right? Yeah. Like how to conduct a meeting appropriately and, you know, how to give um, constructive feedback 
and without being insulting. Um, and people may not know it, you know? And so many times people are like, you're giving them so much credit. And I'm like, you know, I assume the best of everybody until they prove themselves otherwise. And really I want to empower leaders through training and understanding there's better ways to engage your team and to get them to really understand that without your team, you're nothing. Right. Yes. Yes. And you know, it's funny. Um, so you said something at the beginning, um, where you're like, you know, how can we make that person, you know, uh, increase their skill at, at that one position? And I feel like for especially government agencies where you have a choice, it's literally uh, either you um, you become a leader, a manager, or you don't you stay where you're at. Yep. And then it's like you, like you said, you're given this opportunity to be a leader. Why wouldn't you say yes to that? It's more money. You, where, what else are you going to do? And then you, you retirement, right? right. Like, why not? Right. And then you might not even think like, oh, I don't know if I like this, but I got to do it because I'm expected to. And what if I say no? You know, I mean, that is probably one of the biggest issues in state and government agencies. <laughs> Not only that, but what happens when that leader takes that position, right? Now, all of a sudden, they might be the leader to their colleagues that they were friends with. And I call this the workplace identity like crisis, right? Because you lose that identity. Your friends and your colleagues are no longer your colleagues. And you're not, you don't have enough seniority to hang out with the leaders yet. So you're kind of, you don't have the skills, you don't have the tools, and now you definitely don't have the confidence. And you're floating in between trying to create some sense of like, you need me. And I think that's a lot of times where sometimes those aggressive traits, right, can come out because they're trying to show their value. And it's because we don't put enough training and development behind that piece. And we don't give enough people tools to really say it. Um, but that's one that, you know, pops right to mind when you brought up that topic. Yeah. Um, well, you know my experience. So anyways, moving on. Um, let's talk about some of your experiences working with different workplace environments. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think it, now more though, so than ever, anybody can really understand working with industries of all sizes, you know, programs that are great, some that are not so great, some that have no idea that they're not great. Right. Uh, because that's just, that's just it. But that's, the good part of it, because no matter where you are in that spectrum is really, there's something we can do, you know, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, and it's industries of all different types. I mean, it's definitely not just, you know, public sector or private sector, you know, it's every sector because it's a societal structure. We built our workplace on the, um, the assembly line, right? That's how most jobs are still constructed. You do a task and you pass it off to somebody, mm -hmm. whether you're in an office or not. And that's how you be, that's how you get disengaged employees because they get sick of doing the same thing. They're not a robot, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, working with all different types of industries is really engaging for me because I get to learn about so many different types of businesses, so many different internal structures, what makes organizations tick, but then I get to go to a completely different organization and say, Hey, have you ever thought about doing this way? I could take something from like a shipping industry and bring it to a higher ed. And they're like, we would have never done it that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, that goes to saying just thinking outside the box and really engaging and developing and elevating our people. So I think that goes without saying, you know, 
working with different environments, there is no one set environment. And, you know, most businesses lose the most amount of money um, or controllable cost in employee relations. So, you know, any business, any size can benefit from really starting to take a deeper look um, and, you know, also considering who are they losing by, you know, people not coming in because of their reputation. Right. So let's talk about what it looks like to work with you. Okay. So the company calls you, HR calls you in. Yep. What are some of the things that you start with? What's the first thing that you, you go to? So I listen a lot (laughs) because I want to hear what's going on. And I also want to be realistic, right? So what are some goals and objectives or what is the perceived challenge, right? You know, or why are they coming to me? Because it could be that we're looking for an employee engagement. We're trying to think innovatively about how we do this, or we want to assess our benefits and see how to elevate them to really increase employee engagement. Or like you said, we just, we have teams that aren't working together. There's something not working in our organizational structure. We just did a merger and people are not getting along, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? right? Because there's, there's a lot of that mergers, acquisitions, consolidations, and you, you know, getting calls in the beginning, it really helps to prep. We can look at what is this going to look like for the people? How do we communicate with your team effectively? So a lot of the things I like to do is really build, you know, um, almost like game plans, you know, coming in, having a conversation, really talking about what are those deliverables and saying, you know, are they achievable? You can't fix everything in a day. Right. Um, and many businesses, you know, don't think about it when they're looking at the whole piece. So I kind of operate as almost a chief people officer. Right. Which up until now, you know, a lot of people are like, what is that? Um, and, you know, talking about what the benefits of the role really where we bring together the operations and the people and we break it down to everyday operations and needs And we look at that at more of like micro level, right? We're looking at the details because macro is we're going to have this new project and it's going to be great. But smaller is, okay, well, how many people do you need for that? Hmm. What skill level do you have? Do you have Hmm. the skill level or are you just going to promote a whole bunch of people and hope for the best and see what happens? Or did you already do that? And now we've got to upskill these people and we've got to engage them actively. Um, or even thinking about it, you know, like we said, the future. So, you know, it's kind of coming in, talking, really assessing, what are you looking to get out of this? What, what are you seeing? And then obviously seeing it myself, right? Um, Because some of this might be coming in and doing a training and development. Some of it might be coming on and doing, you know, work groups, or some of it might be direct consultation, like come Mm -hmm. in we want you to be part of our team and really look at it and contribute outside perspectives. Um, And I think that's where people value a lot because, you know, you're looking at it from the same old lens. And if you keep looking at it through that lens, you're only going to get the same response. And if you have your HR team and your operations team trying to communicate, sometimes there's a barrier, right? Like Mm -hmm. that can cause a lot of internal you know, friction or, you know, like, well, why do they get all the budget? Why do they get all the budget? You know, and how do you kind of bring all those pieces together? So Joel, do you ever deal with like aggressiveness? <laughs> like where people are like, you know, you mentioned where, you know, if it's a merger or it's like teams that can't get along. I mean, are you like the coach, like the, 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 Team A is on one side, Team B is on the other side, and you're just trying to like keep the peace. Like, do you do that? 
Well, it's kind of, when I think about all of this, it's kind of change management, right? Whenever we change anything in a business, there's going to be people that like it and people that don't like it. And businesses are evolving every day. So it's kind of coming in and saying, okay, let's look at all the stakeholders and see what are their concerns and what are their hopes, right? And then trying to create some common ground with the people piece and the operation piece. And, you know, at the end of the day, let's be honest, not everybody's going to be happy, right? Um, not everybody's going to quote unquote win, but we have to find middle ground that benefits the business. And I think sometimes it's looking at everybody and giving them the value, but also giving them the respect for their perspective. Cause I think so many times people don't feel heard or involved because we look at an operation or we look at, you know, some type of change and it's just being done to us. So how do we give them some of the empowerment to say they are contributing to this change? Um, so I think a lot of times training it from a power struggle into a what role do you play in this and how are you going to make it successful? So I think sometimes, you know, bringing in that psychology, you know, mental health piece is like just changing the mindset about it. It's not always, it doesn't have to be negative, but sometimes we fear things we don't know. And we put right. up a defense, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to work through those processes to say, okay, what are you, what do you want? Like, what mm-hmm. do you, what do you want? And what don't you want? And how do we find a common ground? Yeah. Um, so are you like there when you're doing this type of work with a company, are you there? Like, is there like a, a time frame? Like you mentioned, you go in there to assess, but are you part of the game plan or maybe you're not part of the game plan? You're just there to help them with the game plan and then let them go. Is it really versatile like that? It's pretty flexible in the industry, right? In consulting, it's, we make it, you know, where it is, but I'm also very, you know, particular in like, is it something I'm not going to just say, okay, let me consult for two hours on, you know, something, a year initiative, because that would be ineffective. You're not going to get the results you want and it's going to reflect in my brand. So it's really looking at what, what is the end goal and what is my recommendation for what is the time frame that that's going to be? What type of project are you actually looking at? And sometimes that could be providing some reality, right? Because somebody would be like, oh, this could change in a month. And really it's a six month project, right? So it might be going in and helping them assess, helping them kind of look at the plan a little bit differently. And then maybe coming in down the road and saying, okay, where are we now? What What's working? What's not? And how do you reassess? Um, but for some, it could be kind of doing a little bit more handholding along the way um, because, a lot of it is also innovative business solutions. So thinking a little bit differently, but also having that outside perspective, you know, and I think sometimes we don't think about that. Um, but how many of us train, you know, hire outside trainers, you know, to help us build a skill because we're good at doing what we're doing. We're not good at all the other stuff. And that's where, you know, I always say like outsourcing your play to your strengths, be strength-based and outsource what you need help in. Yeah. All right. So one of the questions I asked you was, uh, provide a success story. Yeah. So, you know, and for me, I was like, oh, I got to choose one. And I was like, I can't because <laughs> that's just not me. And, you know, trying to think back to, you know, overarching things. I think, you know, there's so many people that benefit, um, you know, by challenging their thoughts and behaviors and really opening up their operations to and their organizations to see people first. And I think for me, the biggest unlock is when I'm, it doesn't matter if I'm doing speaking, right? Just a speaking thing, doing a training or doing consulting. When we start to have these conversations and all of a sudden you see leaders like kind of go, huh, 
and you see that unlock and, you know, they start to think about that aha moment and start to realize there are new techniques and there's new things. And we don't have to use that old saying, we've always done it this way because, you know, a lot of times you can't expect different results if you keep doing the same thing. And then I think for me, the biggest success is when you're able to affect this change. And then you talked about before, you have the employees, right? And they are thanking you for mm-hmm. the change you've been able to affect. And really you're being a conduit, you know, the, mm-hmm. the project was going to happen, but you're just creating the space where employees are being thought of first, which so often we think of employees last, right? We come up with this great project. And then, you know, when it comes down, it's like, okay, well, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. But once if we started with the people and we said, here's who we have and here's the strengths and let's build some programming around that. Let's build operations. So I think for me, you know, between seeing leaders have that aha to say, wow, you know, when we start to talk about delegation, right? Train, trust and delegate. And they're like, okay, I can do this. And then you have employees saying like, wow, I've been able to grow professionally because my leader was able to understand these skills or techniques or because my organization said, Hey, we should think about our people first, (laughs) you know? And I think for me, my success story is the legacy I live, I I leave, right? When I'm leaving places, um, you know, leaving my community in a better place and just making businesses and giving them the accessibility to resources that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah. I think that probably when employees come to you and say, thank you, you probably feel like freaking amazing. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, that's such a powerful impact that you made a change that now they're not, you know, they're happy to be in their jobs. Or they're, you know, I'll bring up a topic and they'll, you know, I'll get emails after like, I'm so glad you brought that up because like nobody ever talks about it, you know, (laughs) but because I'm from the outside perspective, you know, and I can do it in a very, you know, light way. It's not, you know, why are you doing this? But bringing those topics up because so often, so like you said it, right. Your colleague said to you, you're doing what so many of us wish we could do. And sometimes it's like, okay, if I have the voice to bring that, to the forefront and kind of do it in a way of like, how is this impacting your business and your people? Because at the end of the day, your people are going to leave. If you're not meeting their needs and you're not building them up and you're not giving them something in that one third of their life, you know, they're going to leave. And, um, it's funny, even more so when I get messages like a month after two months after, you know, of just people staying connected. And I think that's what really keeps me going uh, to say, you know, it's not just a one day. And that's always been my goal, you know, not just to go in and do a one day training. Um, you know, my trainings are great. I'm giving people tools, <laughs> tools and real resources that then they can use and they can elevate on. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that you do that. And I just wish they did that where I was working. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, um, no, I, I when we first met, I, I as soon as you started talking about this, I was like, oh, yes, um, because this is uh, a topic. And I think that that we need to talk about more. And like you said, uh, you know, we spend so much time at work. Yeah, God, we really should be happy and feel productive and feel like, you know, good about it. I mean, and it's life. It's like this, you know, there's going to be bad days and good days. But at least at the end of the day, feel like, okay, I I got a good job. I like it. I like what I'm doing. And that's, uh, you know, that's really important to have for uh, to live a, a happy life. 
(laughs) The saying I, you know, this has been my motto for a while and I stick to it. And like, sometimes I have to self-check, but it's like live to work, not work to live. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Because, and sometimes you have to remind yourself of it, like, cause we get trapped in it, you know, and like you said, there's valleys and there's peaks and you're going to be floating throughout, but, you know, checking with yourself to say, okay, where am I on this? And what, what do I really value? You know, cause there's a lot. Yeah. I think we dropped a lot of great nuggets in this episode. Um, where can we find you? You can find me um, really easy. So my name's at the bottom of the screen, Joelle Monaco Consulting. I did it. I make it super simple. You can go right onto my website. There is a contact button there. You can type me a message. Um, there's also on my website, there's a connection directly to my LinkedIn, which you know I'm super active um, on and Instagram too. Okay. And on Instagram, are you as Joelle? Yes. Joelle Monaco Consulting. Okay, good. Make it super simple. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I love it. All right, Joelle, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed you being here. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Lisa. It was my pleasure. And thanks so much for thinking of me and having me today. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening and watching and until next time. Bye. Bye guys.